Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. All right. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time. That was, that was pretty ugly time. Uh, fortunately, it was only one game time, but oof, that was ugly time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker, Grant Ramey coming to you from Athens, Georgia, where uh, Tennessee played a basketball game, uh, allegedly, uh, on Wednesday night. Uh, the good news, Grant, uh, Tennessee outscores UGA 35-33 to in the second half. Uh, bad news, uh, basketball games are two halves. Tennessee was outscored 47-28 to in the first half in one of the worst performances uh, in a half I've seen from the Vols in a long time. And the Vols fall 80-63 to at Georgia at Stegman Coliseum, just a couple of miles uh, away from where we are right now. Uh, Grant, I, we have seen Tennessee. We've seen some good Tennessee teams come down to this town, this arena across the street here, and lose. It's not necessarily surprising in any way, shape, or form that Tennessee lost a game to Georgia. I think the surprising thing is that Tennessee kind of got railroaded by Georgia. Uh, that game, the final score was 80 to 63, which even by my horrible math, I can tell you is 17 points. That did not even feel like a 17 point game. Tennessee got run out of the building after the first, I guess the first eight or nine minutes were pretty solid. Uh, not great, but okay. Tennessee's kind of hanging in there, you know, a couple points here or there. It's a close game. Then Georgia goes on, on a big run there about midway, two thirds of the way through the first half. Uh, and Tennessee is kind of just roadkill from that point forward. Uh, the good news, if you're Tennessee is that uh, Urosh Plavsic uh, was able to play in this game. He made his debut, and we'll actually hear from him in the second segment of this episode, and then we'll spend the third segment discussing more about Urosh and where this team kind of goes from here. Um, but uh, we got to get the, the nastiness out of the way first. Grant, that was a pretty, pretty awful basketball game from Tennessee. Yeah, and it's almost like kind of the recipe was there beforehand uh, to go to Missouri and play the way they did a week ago shoot the ball really well on the road and, and win a game to come home Saturday and really struggle against the South Carolina team that, you know, it was almost like trying to figure out which team was trying to lose that game more. Uh, and Tennessee found a way to win that game, and, and South Carolina kept finding ways to lose that game. And it almost felt like this team was kind of almost due for a tough night at the office because this is a team that's uh, inconsistent at best. Uh, you never know what you're going to really get from this team night in and out other than it's going to be a struggle to score the ball, and when you have a guy like Anthony Edwards on the other side, uh, you know, the number two overall recruit in the 2019 class, uh, I mean, that's, you know, the elite of the elite. Uh, he can go off for 30 really quickly uh, like he did, you know, in the first half. He had 20 alone. Tennessee had, I think, 28 uh, in the first half. I don't, I don't know what it is about Georgia, and I don't know what it is about Alabama, but when Tennessee goes to Stegman Coliseum and when they go to Coleman Coliseum, they usually play awful, and they usually – get railroaded I mean it's been a long time I think that was the sixth straight loss for Tennessee basketball in Athens and you think about how many different players and how many different coaches have been involved in those six games 
I think that's the third for Rick Barnes uh, down here, and they've never played well in that building, and they, they don't really play well at Alabama. I don't know what it is about those buildings, but sometimes it feels like you can just feel it going in. But if they're not going to play defense, if they're going to get blown by, they're they're going to be an awful basketball team because who's going to score? Who's going to score consistently? It's almost like a, a race every night to see if they can get to 60 points, and if they can, you almost feel good about that effort. If you're not going to be an elite defensive team when you're that poor offensively, there's going to be a lot of nights like this, and, and there's been a lot of ups and downs for this team. There's been a lot of roster fluctuation and, and personnel changes, but maybe now this is the group they've got. I mean, Rick Barnes said on Monday, finally this is kind of the group that they have and maybe they can get settled in. And then 24 hours later, Eurosh gets cleared, and it's a, another change, and they're throwing Eurosh in there against Georgia for 17 minutes after he hasn't played basketball since high school, you know, a year and a half, almost two years ago. So it's another change. Uh, it was a pretty big punch in the face for this team, and, and maybe they respond to it. Yeah, just to, to kind of set the, the stage a little bit for what that game was, you know, as far as um, sort of atmospheres go in Stegman Coliseum, I think Wednesday was a pretty good one. Uh, it wasn't a full house, but there were about, you know, 10,000 and change there in that building. It seats about 12, so pretty full. Uh, Tennessee always kind of brings out a big crowd down in Georgia. Obviously, Tennessee's got a, a pretty big alumni base down here. Tennessee's got a lot of fans in this area. There was a fair amount of orange in that building, again, as there always is, and, and the red and black that were in there really doesn't like orange and white. So uh, the locals always get fired up for this game, and you see the atmosphere um, you know, in other games, and basically, if you're Georgia, you're going to get a couple games a year where you have a pretty good atmosphere you know Kentucky comes to town you know Florida comes to town Tennessee comes to town uh you know and if they're playing tech too I I suppose but that's not like a tremendously difficult place to play I don't think you know the it's kind of an oddly configured gym you know maybe the angles are a little bit weird uh because it's just kind of a weird building on the inside nothing like Vandy um but the bottom line is uh if, if playing in front of that crowd on Wednesday is going to rattle you, what you're going to experience about eight or nine days from now will blow your mind uh, at the fog there in Lawrence, Kansas. So I don't know if it was that. I'll tell you what was really disappointing, I think, in this game. Uh, and I wrote a column about this. And even when the game was like 20 and 25 points, to me, I quickly pointed to about 16 points that Tennessee just gave Georgia. And I'm being kind because it really was probably 30, 30 30-plus. But Tennessee, the way I kind of countered it up during the game, three times during that game, Tennessee just simply did not see there was a loose ball on the floor. Five players on the floor, none of them saw it. They should have gotten it. They didn't. Georgia picks it up. In those three possessions, Georgia gets, in order, uh, a layup, a three-point play, and then a three-pointer. So that's eight points right off the bat that if you just know where the basketball is, that doesn't happen, right? Tennessee, by my count, also missed five bunnies. Um, And when I say a bunny, I mean a layup with no one within about two feet of you. Uh, That's a shot that I know that Rick Barnes has said, and he's he's not wrong. He has said several times, you know, people talk about bunnies a lot, but they're not as automatic as you think. So I said, okay, let's imagine that if you have wide open layups in a game or, or pretty open, you should make 80% of them. I'm just being, I'm being generous there. That is eight points right there. So right off the bat, that's 16 points. What's the final margin of the game? 17 points. Now, really, it was more like a 20, 25-point game sort of in the regular flow. So I don't know that, that, that it was really a 17-point game. But, but I'm being kind here. I'm not talking about 
the three-pointers that were wide open that Tennessee missed. I'm not counting that at all because you would like to think that you would make a majority of the wide-open threes that you take. This team's not going to do that most of the time. That's just that's just not the way things are going for this team. Six of 26 from three, okay, uh, that that's going to happen sometimes with this team. I'm not counting that. I'm not counting a lot of the loose balls that I saw uh, or kind of 50-50 balls near the sideline or near the end line, wherever, that Georgia got and Tennessee should have gotten because that looked like Georgia was just playing harder than Tennessee. But sometimes you go back and watch film and you see, you know, the ball just kind of bounced that way. A couple guys were leaking out for the break and they were doing what they were supposed to do and they got a bad break. So I'm not counting that. I am saying from the very base level, like the most generous way I can put it is that Tennessee flat out gave Georgia 16 points. And that's at a minimum. And if this team is going to give just about any SEC opponent 16 points to start a game, if this team starts games down 16 points, it's going to have a hard time being anyone in this league. There are little things like that that just didn't happen. And then, you know, we found out after the game that Jordan Bowden has had the flu or flu-like symptoms the past couple of days, and he hasn't been – you know, he hadn't been practicing the past couple of days. So maybe we should have noticed that when he wasn't around for the Uro celebration video in hindsight. Um, but, you know, uh, he's been a little sick. So him not playing great, you can explain that away a little bit. Um, John Fulkerson also has not felt great the past couple of games or fa- past couple of days. He plays just 22 minutes. Some of that's foul trouble. Some of that's also him being a little bit sick. So let's, let's factor that in too and say, okay, I understand that. What I don't understand. Uh, is that after Tennessee, because Georgia comes out, throws a couple good haymakers, as you expect a team to do at home, uh, Tennessee didn't respond. And at that point in the game, you know, you can talk about scheme and you can talk about, you know, luck and the ball bouncing your way. There's times where you just kind of have to have a gut check and play tough. And when Georgia jumped on Tennessee, this team's lack of leadership showed up again. Uh, everybody, Grant, can can win – when things are going well, anybody can be a leader. Everybody's doing great. You're sharing the ball. You're getting all these assists. You're making all these threes. You're having a good time. Um, but when things get tough, you, you kind of have to have somebody to step up. And I'm not going to belabor this point, Grant, but Lamonte Turner is not here anymore. He's not there to kind of grab guys by the scruff of the neck and say, you need to get your head out of your tailpipe and go play basketball. And this team's just the, – the guards are young, and some of them, uh, most of them except for Bowden, they're not getting enough done. They're not pushing the ball enough in transition. Uh, they're not getting enough of a post presence right now. When things get tough, they just don't, they just don't have a lot of options if no one's going to step up and lead. Yeah, the, I mean, that's the, the – the effort has to be there every single night for this team. The effort is going to be what fills in the cracks uh, that are kind of so prevalent on this team. Uh, and where they're lacking, uh, they have to have that effort on the defensive end. They've got to go after those loose balls. They can't just let them roll away like you're talking about and just kind of not notice them and, and kind of let those those little moments in the game kind of snowball. Uh, and the leadership, kind of like you and I were discussing before we started this, who who is that guy that steps up? I mean, Jordan Bowden, as much as he's done for Tennessee over the last four years, and he's played a integral part in, in helping get this program back on its feet and where it is, he's always been a – he's kind of a passive guy. He's he's not the most aggressive, you know. He's a kind of happy-go-lucky kid off the court, and that's kind of his personality on the floor. He's not ever going to seek out his shot first and, and try to really put a team on his back like he really needs to with this team. And, and he's obviously 
struggled mightily just just to make a shot the last two three weeks however long this stretch has been uh that he's been struggling um beyond that who's going to be that guy that 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 steps up it's i think it's got to be josiah jordan james i mean this is it feels almost like a turning point where this is becoming his basketball team uh if he's kind of consistently over the last three four five six seven games i don't know how long this run's been he's kind of been the most consistent scorer uh, even though he's not the most dominant player when he's on the floor, I think he's kind of been a stabilizing guy at times when this team's played well, uh, scoring kind of in the in the double digits and kind of filling up a stat sheet the way he did at Missouri last week. And it's going to be his program going into the summer. I don't think this kid's going anywhere. He might have that talent down the road, but I don't think it's time for that yet. Uh, and obviously they're adding so much elite talent in that 2020 signing class with next season's roster. It's time for him to step up and take over and be that guy. And I think that's what Rick Barnes wants when he talks about in the post game. Uh, it's up to Josiah and it's up to Santiago Vescovi to drive the basketball and get this team's offense started the way they want to start it. They don't want to pass it around the perimeter and shoot 24 threes like they've done in four SEC games. They're not a good shooting team. That's not a efficient offensive strategy. It's not a strategy at all. It's a it's a lack of execution. They have to drive the basketball. And that's kind of what Josiah's got to do on and off the floor. This is kind of developing into his team, his basketball program. He's kind of becoming the face of this basketball program, and it feels like now it's kind of a crossroads. It's it's kind of time for him to take over uh, if this team's going to find any sense of consistency uh, the second half of the schedule. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you one thing that, that stood out to me also looking at this box score. You know, Jordan Bowden, he, he was 0 for 5 from 3 again. He scored a lot of his points there kind of in garbage time late. But I'm going to say this too. He played 28 minutes in that basketball game. His plus-minus total was minus 3. So when he was on the court, that tells me one thing. He's playing defense while he's out there. Uh, he's still doing his part on that end of the floor for the most part. But when you're looking at these things, and again – I'm a big plus-minus guy. I know that it's not the only stat, but to me a lot of times it kind of tells a snapshot of a game. Here's a really, 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 really ugly number. Uh, Santiago Vescovi played uh, 25 minutes and 17 seconds in in, in that game. Uh, He had a plus-minus rating of minus 31. So uh, it looked in real time like you can't blame the whole thing on him, uh, but defensively, uh, Georgia's guards – Really, in the first half, I mean, you can sit there all day long and talk about Edwards because he's just unbelievable. Uh, but their point guard Wheeler w- was getting in the lane, getting whatever he needed. Uh, he, he was he was getting in there and doing whatever he wanted. Uh, so basically, it was Georgia's one guard and two guard out there in the first half doing a whole lot of that damage, setting up a whole lot of that stuff. And when you look on the floor, Vescovi's the one a lot of times who's out there kind of getting beat on defense. Now, no one wants to be too hard on a kid who's just been in this country for a few weeks. He's learning so many things on the fly. I would never want to be put in the situation that he's been put in now. Uh, It's a great opportunity, uh, and he's a really good talent, and he's going to be a really, really good basketball player, really good. Uh, But there's a lot of concepts that he's obviously not familiar with. Uh, you know, say what you will about some of the guys he's gone against at the Global Academy, they're not getting up and down in transition with the ferocity that they're doing here. Uh, they're they're well-drilled. These teams know what they're doing, uh, and they are going to expose him until he becomes a better defender. And it's not all on him, 
but when you look at what happened in that first half and you look at Vescovi's plus-minus numbers compared to the other guards, you can see that there's a pretty common thread there. Uh, he's got to get better defensively. He's a guy who, when he can shoot the ball, uh, man, he's a good player. And he had seven points, three of seven shooting, one of four from three, you know, three assists, just two turnovers. Huge step in the right direction for him there because he'd been averaging a cool 7.0 per game. But he's got to get a little bit better, uh, you know, overall, and he's got to get a lot better on defense. And, and again, you're asking someone to do something that's difficult, but that's what he's being asked to do because that's what he has to do. And Santi is kind of a microcosm of this team right now. When you watch that Georgia game, there was a lot of people on the checkerboard in the live updates talking about why doesn't this team play his own? You you got a you got a guy in the post at seven foot. You can go almost you can almost go five wide with six six guys or, or taller, uh, long and athletic guys. Obviously that they've built this roster with. Well, when you ask Greg Barnes about that after the game, he says they're so inept in other areas that they haven't been able to put in everything they want to put in, and they've had to stop and start with so many different versions of this basketball team that they're still working on stuff that in the past had they had all their personnel there. It, you know, his own would have been a possibility. It would have been already put into the system and, and they could have been switching to it. But they've, you know, you lose Lamonte, you, you add Santi, you add Urosh, and you're kind of stopping and starting over and over, and you're trying to rely on a kid like Santi who can't stop anybody off the dribble right now. I mean, getting blown by. A zone would help him if they had a zone. Uh, a zone would help down low with a fix-it guy like a seven-foot center in Urosh who has a seven-five wingspan. Uh, and can protect the rim and, and be a little bit of that Kyle Alexander from the last couple of years. Uh, so, th- I mean, that's just, that just feels like where this team is right now. You have some new talent out there, but you're asking them to do stuff that they're probably not capable of doing right now, but based on the personnel, this is where you are. Yeah, and, and you say things like, you know, hey, I, I played basketball growing up. We just went into a 2-3 zone sometimes, and you kind of knew what your area of the court was. It, it's not that simple. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's really not just like, hey, let's go into a 2-3 or 2-1-2, and this is your area. There's a lot of different ways to play all those zones. There's different principles you have. There's guys that you follow, guys that you don't. There's times where you switch and times that you don't. There's times where you trap and times where you don't everyone's defense is just a little bit different. Uh, And and so it's hard to just put that stuff in. And and I think maybe now that, knock on wood, they maybe finally do have their roster put together, finally. Uh, We've said that about six times this year, I think, but maybe this is finally it. There are things that that they can do. Uh, But the one absolute non-negotiable, this team has to play defense. Uh, Because I still think this is a team you saw against Missouri – that, that was not their own gym. That's against a, maybe one of the best defensive coaches in all of college basketball. Missouri's defense this season still is the only defense in college basketball that's like top six or top seven pretty much across the board in every category. That's an elite defensive team. And, and Tennessee turned it over a ton. Uh, but, you know, that Missouri defense doesn't force a lot of turnovers. It just plays good good sound defense and Tennessee shot the lights out when it wasn't turning the ball over in that game so this team does have some guys who can shoot the ball uh, the, the problem is um, they just never quite put the thing together on offense they're either turning it over or they're not shooting it well or, or something's going wrong but we've seen that happen with this team before we've also seen a couple times this year where this team has played some really bad defense but played enough defense to either hang around or, or shot the ball well enough to either hang around or even win the game I think there's only been twice this year where we've seen Tennessee be absolutely putrid on both ends of the floor. The first one was Wisconsin, and I'm going to give them a pass for that because that's their first game without Lamonte Turner. Uh, 
you might say that's being too soft. I, I don't think it is. I, I think that's fair to say, you know what, that was a huge adjustment for them. That was a big kick in the gut. Uh, that's just a tough environment. So, okay, maybe maybe you, you give them a pass on that one. This was the second time they've done that. And Georgia is an okay team with one great player and a couple of pretty good players. But you should not be losing this game by that many points. Uh, and Tennessee has got to play better than this. So there's a lot to talk about. We're going to get to all that. What we're going to do right now is we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back, and you're going to hear from Tennessee coach Rick Barnes, who will be talking to us about all the kind of the things that went wrong in this game and where things go from here. Also, uh, we'll speak with Uros Plavsic. Let's see if I can get his name right. By the way, Georgia PA guy tonight, nailed it. I I mean, for a guy who it's the the visiting team, the kid's first ever college game, he absolutely flawlessly executed that pronunciation all night. So credit to him. Uh, That's an aside. It doesn't really matter. But I think good work should be noted, and that was good work. So we're going to hear from Rick Barnes. We're going to hear from Uros Plavsic, and then we're going to hear a little bit from Josiah Jordan-James. And then you're going to come back, and you're going to have a final segment with me and Grant sitting here in Athens, Georgia, talking a little bit more about Uros and and, and some of the good things we saw, some of the not-so-good things we saw, and then where it goes from here. So be right back and listen to some products and services and in-house ads and those other fun things, pay some bills, and we will be right back. Hashtag ad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride-or-die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast, brought to you by whatever products and services and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, we appreciate uh, those people who who do not fast-forward through those commercials because you're not morally, ethically, spiritually contractually obligated in any way shape or form to listen to them but for people who do that we appreciate that helps us out at cbs sports helps us out at 24 7 sports helps us out at go balls 24 7 and it might even help you never know you never know what those products and services are going to be west rucker grant ramey coming to you from athens georgia and as promised in this segment we do have a few interviews coming up for you Uh, as a reminder first you're going to hear tennessee basketball coach rick barnes talking about that uh 
cluster turd of a game that, that we just watched uh, oh just a couple of hours ago and then you're going to hear Uros Plavsic uh, having his first post-game media interview of his college career uh, talking about some of the the process uh, you know through through his eligibility and all kind of the ups and downs through that and people standing by him and what he thought of his first game tons of good stuff in there and then at the tail end we have a, a brief interview with Josiah Jordan James uh, talking about Uros Plavsic talking about uh, Tennessee's disappointing game and then talking about kind of the future for this team so we're going to get to those interviews you're going to hear all those and you're going to come back again and you're going to hear these two sexy voices right here Wes Rucker and Grant Ramey uh, talking to you about where Tennessee goes from here you got to give Georgia a lot of credit and there's really not a whole lot I can say about our guys I'm just disappointed in about everything that you could be disappointed in didn't think we had a competitive fight spirit at all uh, from the beginning you know we uh you know, we, we know we uh, have struggled to score, but when you miss the 14 points at the rim where really shots are not contested, you've got to score those. And But defensively, we weren't very good. We just didn't put up the fight that we normally do, and that's what's most disappointing. Yeah, Rick, you touched on the defense there. I know you talked lately about this team learning how to win without making shots. Is this a lesson in what can go really wrong when you don't play defense? Absolutely, and the fact that, again, I can't think of it. Too many soft plays, guys going to the basket instead of moving your feet to make a play, you swipe down, ticky-tack fouls. That, that's soft. That's soft. And we had at least three of them. Uh, John had two of them. Josiah had one or two, and uh, we just weren't alert. And uh, those are just soft plays. And when you make plays like that, you really you don't deserve to win. You kind of touched on it already, but just, I mean, it looked like – yeah, there's, there's, there's no doubt. Again, I don't want to make any excuses, but you know, Bowden, I thought you know, he hasn't practiced for two days. He's battled the flu, and Folky's not been great, but, uh, but I thought Bowden tried. I, I do. I think he tried. He missed another layup, and he rushed one three quick, but I thought overall he was really trying to do what he could do without practicing for a couple of days. And uh, But uh, it's our guards, to be quite honest with you, Santi and Josiah has got to give us some leadership. They don't give us a, an initial thrust at all on offense. They just play at a much slower pace than we want to play. And uh, actually, the only time we really got to break on, Jordan Bowden went and did it, and we, that's what we've been known for. You know, we've done it enough that people in the league try to run some of that break, but uh, we're not very good at it until those guys understand our transition game. And, we get bogged down every time down the floor having to play half-court basketball with the players that we have right now. Not a post guy that really does want the ball. I thought Uros, for the first time, actually did some good things. You know, for a guy, I can't imagine what was going through his head leading up to the game, not knowing he's going to play all year and had, had been waiting a year and a half. And uh, I thought, for the most part, he handled himself pretty well. Uh, got to get better defensively. Like but tonight, I can say that about everybody. I can say that about our whole program. Uh, coach over here, um, Anthony Edwards. Um, if you could just give us your thoughts on him and, and the difference for Georgia year makes. I guess they got nine freshmen. Well, again, he's a terrific player. I mean, you saw him; he got going. And again, I think when you let guys get going, that's got the ability to do that. But you know, two players had 47 points between them. I thought Hammonds was a uh, really good player. I thought he did played really well tonight. Their little point guard just totally dominated the first half. He got the ball where he wanted to get it, did what he wanted to do, and. That goes back to our scout report. We did nothing that we talked about with our scout report in terms of opening the court up and letting them drive the ball and 
and uh, the way they did and, and put this in rotations. But uh, uh, Tom's done a nice job with this team and this program. When the, when the defense struggles like it does, is, is there a zone option for this team? Can you all switch it up? Or well, you know what? I would say in the past normally, but because of what you guys know what we've gone through with teams, we, we've just had to piece together our offense from week to week the last three weeks. We haven't had a chance to do a lot of things that we like to do and until we can get going with it. And again, I think we're there now. We think we know who we're going to have on our team, and so we'll probably start doing some things that we normally would have done by now, but we have just haven't had a chance to do it because we've been so inept at some other things. Rick, what was it like last night finding out that Rush was eligible? And, and I mean, was it a no-brainer he's going to play now? Yeah, you know what? He, uh, you know, one, I, I really, I really can't say enough about our administration. You know, you know, from the top to our compliance people, that they stayed with us because they felt in their heart that he deserved the chance to play. And uh, I felt this decision should have been made at least. Six, six games ago, but Christmas break comes around and NCAA closes it down. But for us, I mean, these games, it's, and for him, he's been in the States on, you know, a chance to play for a year and a half now, and there was no doubt he, he wanted to play and win, and, the, and his teammates wanted to play. But one thing about him, he hasn't stopped working as if he might get that chance, which I think helped him, as opposed to just shutting it down mentally. And he went through it, he, went, he did go through that for a couple of weeks uh, when the first appeal was denied. But uh, again, I think our administration did a great job just staying after it and finally getting it looked at the way it should have been looked at. And but there was no doubt that, he, that we knew he wanted to play. And, and we, I don't think we could have asked him not to. Two more questions. I guess when you're on the road, I guess at some point, you know, a home team's going to make a run at you and kind of make things difficult. But is it maybe more disappointing that your guys didn't respond once that started happening? Oh, we had chances. We kept dealing with them. I mean, they gave us some opportunities and stuff. We just didn't take advantage of them. We come out of a timeout knowing we're down, what, 13, 14 points, whatever it was. Just, again, tries to throw a 50-foot pass. And he made an incredible catch. I mean, that you don't play basketball. We got That's what happens. You're talking about 13 young. We got some young guys out there, too. They don't understand. You got to work this game. You're not going to hit home runs against teams, especially when you got a lead like that. And uh, that's where we've got to get better. We've got to get better leadership out of our guard play, but we also have to get somebody inside that wants to score the ball. We were hoping Bulky would be that guy. He, he won't accept it. You know, he needs to want to want to do that consistently. He's learning to do it. And he, he made some good plays in there tonight. And he plays. He, he plays hard. He does. But uh, played a lot of minutes tonight. Probably too many. But uh, uh, again, we had, we we could have made a push at least, maybe get them uneasy a little bit. But every chance, every time we had to do that, we either those little ticky tack fouls, or we just stopped guarding offensive rebounds that were you know that went out of bounds, you know team rebounds that, that was there to be had, and we didn't come up with them. We didn't deserve to win. We didn't. I, I don't care. We're at home. We we play like this at home. We got beat by almost thirty. So if our guys don't learn anything, you better learn if they think this kind of effort's going to help you at home or on the road. And we'll see how smart they are because it doesn't. It doesn't work. Shot twenty-four and mark threes now in all four conference games. Are y'all you happy with that amount? No. Would you like to get that down? No. We're not. That's what I asked them. Was if you know our first seven shots we took six of them. Again, it goes back to not understanding how you have to work the game and what we work on playing inside. I don't care. I, I don't care if we'll drive the ball hard to get, at least give ourselves a chance to get fouled. But when we just want to pass it around the perimeter and raise up and shoot it, 
No, I don't, I don't, I don't particularly like to play that way. What was that, uh, that moment like yesterday when they walked over and stopped practice with the news? I mean, it was amazing. I did not uh, expect, like, I knew like, the news, new, news were supposed to come until uh, Friday. I was waiting like, for that Friday just to hear something back from NCA, and uh, they just came like, two days early, and they were like, okay, you're clear, you're ready to go. You know? It's just like I was shocked, uh, I'm not going to lie, I was, I was about to cry, I was like, happy at the same time, like my, my emotions like, just like everything was going like to my head, you know, just um, all, all the work that I put in, I'm just like, you know, like teammates were obviously happy about me, like uh, the whole, like everybody, like coaches, so I'm just, I'm just ready like, to like work my way back slowly and, you know, just like have my team. When they stop practice, do you have a feeling that that's what it was? I knew something was going to happen, either, <laughs> either yes or no, you know, um, just like I did not expect an answer yes, to be honest, uh, but I know, I know our compliance people, coaching staff, um, our fans obviously on like uh, social media, they did a great job, uh, like supporting me like throughout the whole process and you know, I just want to say thank to everybody. Like, you know, just our fans and our—they're just amazing. And uh, you know. did you get any information that the NCAA let you know what had changed? Like, no not one? really. Not really. They—they they were kind of quiet. They didn't want to talk to me, so <laughs> and they just like came back and they said, "Yes, uh, you're ready to go." So, what, what was it like tonight? Did it beat your expectations? Were you nervous when you got out there for the first I mean, time? I couldn't sleep. I couldn't sleep. I was. I was nervous. I was just like thinking about a, about a game, about just like next day, like what's gonna happen, you know? Just like first day, like playing uh, first game, like um, basketball, like after two years, you know, like my my last basketball game was like in high school. So I just think um, I I need like, to get like kind of like used to it a little bit, and uh, you know, I know my teammates, they got my back. They're gonna help me just work my back, boy, uh, work my my way back. So you know, I'm not I'm not worried about it. So. That'll be good. How'd you feel about the first experience? I mean, obviously, I'm sure you wanted the game to go better, but but how'd you feel like things went for you out there? Oh yeah, obviously, I want the game to go like in a different way, but uh, you know, just like uh, that, like kind of like intensity of the game. Uh, I definitely need like to get used to that feeling, uh, the good crowd. Uh, you know, just like that kind of like environment. Like I haven't played like a basketball game in front of people like in the last two years, as it says. So uh, I just think like. Everything is about like just getting used to it and uh, just working hard, like doing my job, like whatever coach said. I'm on the court. I'm, I'm gonna do it. How have you been able to? Rick said you've done a good job of staying ready, even without knowing what the ruling would be. How have you kind of stayed with that mentality? It was hard. I just, uh, I just wanted to make sure that I, uh, I make my teammates better every day. I just wanted to be a great teammate, like every single day in practice. I mean, off the, on the court and off the court also. So. Um, I was helping them uh, with, the, with the scouting stuff, you know, like I would play other teams' plays just to make sure, like, I would go hard at them. I'm not going to lie. I would just, you know, like be like physical and just like make sure they got better every day. Rushworth, I know that, you know, with everything with, with Belmonte going and then, you know, Santiago coming in and now you getting into the mix, do you feel like, do you hope this team can kind of settle down now and everybody can figure definitely, out their roles? Definitely. Um, just, you know, like everybody's just like, Finding like what is like their their role on the team, you know, just like what they what they need to do, um, just you know, we just need to get back and just like work hard and like. How much more comfortable do you think you'll be in your second game? Kind of getting. 
jitters out of the way and not be definitely, more, definitely more comfortable uh, with, with more confidence. I had my confidence like in this game too. Um, coaches, coaches at UT uh, helped me like gain back my confidence that I lost in last, obviously last year. Um, I'm just like I'm just thankful for that. Uh, Coach Barnes, uh, he's doing a great job pushing like every single player to like go hard all the time. So I just think like. We're all going to be good, and uh, next game it's, it's going to look definitely better. We just need to change the car. How much do you think you can help this team going forward? I think I can help a lot. I just need to fix uh, some like defensive mistakes that I made today. Uh, you know, like I think we were switching a lot, and uh, whenever I switched, I think like I got blown by a couple of times. That shouldn't happen. Uh, I just need to work, like just make my legs quicker, I guess, and just like. Uh, you know, stay in front of the ball all the time and just like make like some more like fix it plays, you know, just help my teammates and that's it. I think like I can I can help this team. When was the low point of the process for you? What is that? When was the lowest point of the process of waiting on this eligibility? Uh, when they came back first time and they said no. When they denied it, the waiver and when they, they were like um, you know, you're not eligible. And but uh, at the, at the time, like we were, like I knew that like our compliance people and everybody else, they're just gonna do a like, great job, like you know, like try it again and uh, send like another appeal for me. And just you have to, you have to just like be patient and you know. What does it mean to you that so many people kind of did go to bat for you? I mean, you know, you talk, you talk about the fans, but also the administration, the coaching staff. It seems like everybody's kind of gone to bat for you. What's that feel like? It means a lot. Uh, you know, like when you when you get like to a new school, a new program, you wanna you wanna leave like the best impressions. You know, like first day and all that. But I was just like, I was just being myself, and I guess uh, all fans they, they just they love me, and um, I'm just like so thankful like for for their support. Like obviously, coaches. Um, our compliance people has already said like they, they did a great job and I I just cannot like thank thank like them enough like for for all they've done for me like you know like throughout the whole process just like keeping me like calm, like you know just like saying like calm down like everything's gonna be right and I just they just gave me that like confidence that you know they're gonna get uh, get it done so you know it was it took like I think like longer than it was supposed to be but here I am right now I'm just you know. I'm ready to get better, like have my team and win some games. Better late than ever. Seems like you're at play every time you have the ball tonight. Is that always going to be your your offensive game? Is to get the ball and kind of have a plan of what you're doing? I mean, I was just trying to like I think like um, I had a like little advantage. Like I, I was obviously like taller than guys that they were guarding me, and I just thought like I can like put it up there like above their hands and just like make layups. Obviously, first game nervous, nervous. You know, like my hands were not like with me today, so I think like I just need to go back, um, put some hard work in it, uh, just work on my skills, my touch around the rim, and uh, I think everything's going to be fine. Help you guys the most. What, what does he bring to the table? Uh, just a presence on both ends of the floor. Um, got like a seven-five wingspan, and just uh, an extra body will help uh, Folky, uh, Olivia E down the post because I know they they're getting tired. They were getting tired of the last couple of games, and he's just uh, he's fresh legs. And um, he's definitely a good presence on defense. Just uh, the past couple weeks have been kind of crazy in terms of the roster transformations and all the changes. Do you think that at this point now you all can kind of settle in on the core with rotations and you kind of know what this roster is going to be going for? Yeah, we just got to uh, hit the ground running with this this group. Uh, we've hit a, faced a lot of adversity throughout uh, this year, losing Lamonte, our lead guy, and guys having to assimilate different roles. Um, but. I mean that's just the way it went, but we gotta 
just hit the ground running with this group. Uh, didn't start the way we wanted it to, but uh, we got a, a game in two days and we'd like to, to fix everything that we didn't do right today. How difficult is it to kind of do what y'all want to do on both ends of the court when you're constantly adding and subtracting guys over the last couple of weeks? I mean, it's difficult. Guys are trying to learn the system, but we can't just blame it on that. Uh, it's a tough system to learn, but um, Santi's done a, re a really good job with it. I'm sure Uroch, uh, over the next couple of games, will, will start to learn it. But um, we can't just blame it. it. It is difficult, but we can't uh, blame anything on that. Because I know that when you're playing a team on the road, you kind of expect that team to, to make a couple runs at you. But after they kind of threw those early punches, were you, were you surprised that y'all didn't kind of bounce back a little feistier? Yeah, we just didn't have any fight. Um, and that's what we got to do. We know um, road games are going to be tough. Uh, the team's going to be all jacked up before the game. They're going to hit shots that they've never hit before. Um, they did that tonight. Uh, they got in the groove. We just didn't fight back. Are you excited about this bunch now that you do have kind of the full team together? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we got our, our group, our unit, uh, the group that we'll end the season with, and we just got to get better. You all kind of form a family. You know, obviously, teams, you know, are families. And you know, when you kind of saw, you know, the, the first the first appeal came back and was denied. And mm -hmm. uh, what are you saying as a as a you know, as a friend, as a teammate to Euros, as he's kind of going through things like first uh, denied? Just everything happens for a reason. Uh, there's always a bigger picture. Because uh, I know he was down after that. Uh, just trying to keep him in, in good spirits, telling him that everything's going to be fine. Um, it's just God's plan, and, and it worked out in the end. Josiah, were there some plays tonight that were just kind of hard to explain with, you know, some, some loose balls that y'all could find a way to, just some little things here and there? It seemed like there were just too many of those little things tonight. Yeah, there's definitely too many of them, but it just comes down to effort and heart and, and fight, and we didn't have it. Uh, we we got to do a lot, a lot better. Um, just being a... Uh, just fighting um, and uh, effort on defense and uh, like loose balls, rebounds, things like that. Uh, and that's really nothing you can teach. You just got to go out there and do it. Grant, do you want to take us to break? Break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the GoVols 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have just heard just a second ago. As always, we appreciate the people who listen to those commercials because you are not obligated to do so. Uh, but for the people who do that, we appreciate that. Helps all of us out. West Rucker Grant Ramey coming to you from Athens, Georgia. Going to wrap up this pod with a, a bit of a discussion on Uros Plavsic, Tennessee's seven-foot redshirt freshman Serbian big man, uh, a guy who 
the backstory here is well known, so we don't have to go too much into it. He uh, is from Serbia. Uh, he comes over to finish his high school career at Hamilton Heights Christian Academy down in nearby Chattanooga, which is a, about halfway, I guess, in between here and Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, so he, he goes there, and then he goes across the country to play at Arizona State because he has a connection with a coach uh, who's also from Serbia. So he goes to Arizona State. Um, after a year, that coach leaves. Uh, Urosh decides to leave Tennessee or leave Arizona State, wants to come back home, closer to his home away from home. He's always been comfortable in Tennessee. So he wants to come back, uh, and the NCAA says, fine, you can come back, but you cannot play this season. And Tennessee went through several appeals processes. Is that what you would say? Processes, Grant? Process I? Process I. He went through several process I. And at the end of that, finally, after months and months and months, he finally got the clearance from the NCAA to play. So he goes out there tonight against Georgia, uh, just 24 hours and change after he uh, was told he would be able to play this season. And he plays 17 minutes for the Vols, has five points on two of six shooting from the field, one of three shooting from the free throw line, three rebounds, uh, zero assists, one turnover. Um, Let's not paint the prettiest picture on it and say it was a great performance. But when you talk about a guy playing his first ever college game and a guy who 24, 28 hours ago, I guess, was still technically on Tennessee's scout team, uh, I, I think there were some some things that you could like from that performance considering the circumstances. The first thing I liked, he, he checked in, I think, at the 12.48 mark. Uh, Tennessee was on the defensive end, uh, maybe at the free throw line. I don't know, but Tennessee gets a rebound and he goes sprinting down the court. And if Santiago Vescovi had his head up, he could have hit him for a touchdown pass going the other way, and I think that's what Rick Barnes talked about after the game, wanting to do a transition offense that they've uh, got so used to over the last couple of years and been so successful with. I think the way he can run the floor uh, can help you a lot in transition uh, with a 7-5 wingspan. If he can just catch it uh, and take a couple strides and dunk it, that's a lot of easy buckets for a team that needs a lot of easy buckets. Uh, but it, I think it's going to take a while. 17 minutes I thought was – pretty solid I, I didn't I thought it might be in that kind of 15 minute range you never really know uh, it's just been so long since he's played a competitive game and and not only uh, does he get thrown in in the college game it's on the road against a you know a decent SEC team with with a lot of athletes on the floor uh, so that's something uh, but I mean a seven footer is a seven footer he, he's going to help take a load off John Fulkerson he's going to help take a load off Eve Pons he's going to uh, kind of ease the reliance on Olivier Camois and, and the guys like Drew Pember. Uh, more than anything, like Josiah James said after the game, it's a set of legs. It's a body. You you need that right now. It's energy for this team that needs energy moving forward, that needs that kind of boost. Uh, and whatever he can give you is a positive as long as he can uh, protect the rim and, and help you rebound. I mean, that's really all you need. Just give somebody uh, a break here and there and, and develop as you can. And I'll tell you, too, I don't like to paint with a broad brush here, but what I really like about the foreign-born players who come to the United States to play college basketball, some of them come to to finish their high school careers and then play uh, college basketball. But the point is they come to this country to further their chances uh, of succeeding long-term in basketball. They come over to this country where they purpose. They they are driven. They are guys who, even though uh, a vast majority of them are not uh, are not native English speakers, uh, they pick up the language pretty quickly. Uh, they're smart. They're reliable, and they are appreciative. And I'm not saying kids born in this country are not appreciative. I don't mean that at all. Uh, like you see kids like Jordan Bowden who appreciate everything that anyone's ever done for them. Those guys are like that. And Rick Barnes recruits a lot of kids who are actually pretty darn good kids. So I'm not 
trying to paint with a broad brush here, but I will say that what I like about Uros Plasic again, I really like the maturity. Uh, I like the way that, you know, you see him out there and he, he can have a hot temper at times on the basketball floor, not the worst thing in the world. Um, but he's a guy who handles interviews really well. He speaks to teammates very clearly. He communicates very well. I also like that uh, one of the first things that happened when he came out there in the game against Georgia, uh, he was called for a foul, did not think it was a foul, and promptly told the official, I don't think that was a foul. So, you know, he's confident out there. And I think he's a guy who gets up and down the floor. He doesn't run up and down the floor like Kyle Alexander did, but most seven-footers don't. Alexander was a rare athlete, uh, which is why, despite being so raw, he is signed a two-way contract with the Miami Heat uh, on Wednesday. By the way, congratulations to Kyle Alexander for that. Awesome kid, happy for him. But when you're talking about Plavsic, I liked more of what I saw than, 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 than I didn't like, considering the circumstances, and he's just going to get better. Uh, he's a guy who I don't think he's afraid or timid out there. I think he's just a little bit rusty. Uh, I didn't see him necessarily get blown by a lot or lost on defense a couple times that, you know, maybe lost track of somebody for a second. Um, but I like the way he plays the game. Uh, and I think what I think is really, really interesting, Grant, and maybe this is just – maybe these two things are not connected. You, you might have a different opinion on this, and I'm interested to hear it. After the game, you know, Rick Barnes has always kind of been – he's always kind of been edgy with John Fulkerson because Fulkerson's a guy who Rick Barnes absolutely loves. He loves him as a kid because how can you not love him as a kid? He loves his upside as a player. He thought in that class that had Grant Williams and Bone and Bowden and Jalen Johnson, he thought that John Fulkerson was the best player in that class. He has always had an affinity for the upside that he sees in John Fulkerson. But he's also used that to challenge him because he knows Folk, he's a tough kid and can take it. Uh, after the game, I thought it was interesting – I don't know if it's because that was Plavsic's first game with Tennessee, but he had some really pointed remarks about Fulkerson after the game, saying that Tennessee needs a lot more from its guards, uh, but that Tennessee also needs a big man who wants the ball and wants to score. And he said, point blank, that John Fulkerson will not accept that role, has not accepted that role. And then with his very next breath, he said that, you know, Urosh is out there his first ever game, and, and he's out there doing some good things. He's acting like he wants the ball. So maybe this is one of those things that – I know he practices against the guy every day, but if if Barnes can use this to kind of you know needle Fulkerson a little bit, get a little bit more out of him, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. Yeah, Barnes is a a button pusher for sure, and he likes to use press conference settings to get stuff out there and and kind of. Uh, I think it's different when you tell a room full of reporters versus what you say in a locker room to challenge a guy. Uh, and I think Fulkerson is the guy who should stand to benefit the most from Eurosh, uh joining this post and giving the ten- uh, Tennessee a different option down low. Uh, I think it does take away minutes from Fulke because I don't I don't think you're going to have both of them on the floor a ton. Uh, but what Barnes says is right. I mean, obviously Tennessee's not getting the guard play it needs right now, uh, and that's frustrating for Rick Barnes. But it's doubly frustrating when there's a post down there that he expects more out of and John Fulkerson who's not demanding the ball enough. And if Eurosh is going to step in and do it the first time he's on the floor as a, as a college athlete, uh, that, that kind of what, what you want from him right now is just to kind of set a base of what you can expect from him and try to build on it over these next 15 games. Uh, Cause as much as he helps this team right now, uh, a really big factor for Eurosh getting cleared right now, is how much further along he'll be this time next year or to start the season next year uh, when Tennessee goes to Wisconsin, I think November. 
uh, to play up there. So, I mean, he's going to help this team a ton next season, but kind of what he can get established right now and how quickly he can do that. And if he's demanding the ball in his first game, you would expect him to kind of grow on that. I mean, he said he was so excited uh, Tuesday night after getting the news that he couldn't really sleep leading up to this game. So you would expect him at Vanderbilt Saturday to be a lot more maybe relaxed and kind of got the jitters out and the nervous energy and maybe it's a little bit more normal and see if he can uh, progress and take some more steps forward. Uh, And in doing so, kind of does Fulke kind of hear that challenge and and try to do something more uh, and try to get to that level that that Rick Barnes clearly thinks he can get to because he says it over and over and over. Yeah, just for comparison here, Plavsich played 17 minutes in that game and took six shots. John Fulkerson played 22 minutes in that game and took two shots. And I'll tell you what infuriated Barnes. I can tell you exactly what it is. Tennessee goes out there, six of Tennessee's first seven shots in that game were three-pointers. And, and were any of them bad shots? No, the, they weren't. They were shots that, you know, if you if you get those and you're in rhythm, go ahead and take them. In fact, I think Eve Pons could do a much better job. It drives me absolutely insane how many open three-pointers he turns down in a game when he's one of the best shooters on this team. And if you're one of the best shooters on your team and you get a clean look from three, I don't I don't care what language you're speaking. That's a shot that's got to go up. Uh, th- that's just something that you have to do. Uh, but I think what Barnes is talking about, and I'm, I'm pretty darn sure of this, is that when you saw that six of the first seven shots were threes, you did not once see John Fulkerson go up to a guard and say, get me the ball. You know, they had timeouts. They had times in between. He, he never once during a free throw, never anything went up to any of those guys that I saw and said, get me the ball. He's not posting up and demanding it. Uh, That's just not who he is as a player. And it's a shame because I do think that he does have more offensive skill than he you would think if you just watch him play because when you're out there watching them practice and watching them just goof around the kids got touch he can score the basketball he just in his mind believes that he's a role player he's he's just always thought of himself as that kind of a guy and, and I tell you that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy uh, if you want to think that way then that's who you're going to be and, and I think with Plavsic coming in now I'll tell you Fulkerson's got to be careful because if Plavsic comes in and is able to show some improvements and be the guy that we've seen him be in practice a few times this year, and they're only going to play one of those guys at a time, for the most part, well, there's times where they're going to want to go with Plavsic. And if you're Fulkerson, you're a fourth-year junior, you're an East Tennessee native, this program means the world to you, and, and the people of this fan base love you. They want you to be a good basketball player. That has to hurt your pride. That has to – you know, at some point – Someone's got to, I know he's kind of a happy-go-lucky kid. Someone's got to get inside there and get him angry, you know? Uh, I mean, come on, his name's the Incredible Folk, right? I mean, at some point, he's not going to turn big and green and mean, but he's got he's to do it. He's got the ability to do it. Everyone wants him to do it. He doesn't need to be a 20-point-a-game a, a guy. I just think there's times where he can do more, and I think if Plavsic can push him, I, I think that only helps this team. But, Grant, overall, um, was there anything – else that, that you saw tonight, anything we need to talk about? I, I think Camwa you know, did some actually pretty decent things in that game. He did have a plus-minus of plus four. Uh, he had a couple too many turnovers, and he got lost a couple times on defense. But you saw some of his ability come out there, and he's another guy who with Plavsic out there. Uh, you could see him, that, that helping him. Uh, Pember had a couple nice moments when he was in there. Uh, Jalen Johnson did a couple decent things out there. Th- this team, here's where I am, Grant. And I wrote this. 
if I thought this thing didn't have any hope, I would say that. Uh, I think I've got a pretty long track record in my career of saying when I think something sucks. Uh, and I think that game sucked, but I don't know that this team's going to suck. And the reason that I say that is because they've had to stop and start so many times. They've gone through five, at least about five things that would completely change anyone's season. You know, you think you're going to have Plavsic and you don't have him. That's going to change your team right there. That's one thing. Then you find out that Lamonte Turner is still hurt. That's going to hurt that he can't shoot the ball very well. Then you learn that Lamonte Turner's shoulder is even worse than you thought. And so now you know, well, maybe you can salvage it, but he's probably not going to be able to shoot the ball well all year. So you got to change everything again. Then you find out Lamonte Turner's injection didn't work and he needed to have season-ending surgery. So he's gone. He's just off the board which say what you will about the way he shot the ball this year, he's still this team's leader. That changes it. Then Vescovi comes back or, or becomes eligible, you know, comes to the country. He, he, he gets through the, the clearinghouse and all that stuff. Seven days after coming to this country, he's able to play. That completely changes everything. Then just, I guess, a week and a half, less than two weeks later, you learn that, wait, actually, Uros Plavsic can play this season. So I just listed six things that any one of those things on a 13-man scholarship roster – any of those things are going to change. Your, your, the complexion of your team, the way you play the game on both ends of the floor. They've gone through six of these things in one season. So I'm not in the excuse-making business, but all I'm saying is this, Grant. This is a weird league. Uh, you saw this again, the South Carolina team that Tennessee tried to let win the other day and it couldn't beat Tennessee. It just beat Kentucky Wednesday night. You know, Auburn goes to Alabama and loses. Uh, this is a weird league. There's a couple of teams at the top. There's a couple teams at the bottom. And then there's about 10 teams there that are kind of a jumble that's hard to figure out. Tennessee's in that group. So it's not a great league. And I'll tell you, across college basketball, I don't know if there's a dominant team out there right now. So it's a weird year. And Tennessee has enough pieces. I like the pieces. I don't know how they fit together. I don't know when they can get them to fit together. Maybe they can't this year. But I'm not willing to say right now that they can't do that. I, I think when you look at college basketball and the SEC in general, Grant, I, I really think this thing could be salvaged. I don't know that it will be, and I don't know how to put any money on it, but I think it could be fixed. Yeah, it's like uh, you remember those pick-your-own-adventure books you read in uh, elementary school where you read half the story and then you turn to a certain page for ending A and a certain page for ending B and a certain page for ending C. I mean, this last week and a half, it feels like there's been three different versions of this team, and you don't know which one, which track they're going to go down, which ending they're going to pick. They can be a team that goes to Missouri and hits shots and, and shoots it well and, and kind of answers when it has to answer and, and wins by 10. It can be a team that struggles to hit 50 points at home and shoots 25% from the field and somehow finds a way to win a basketball game. Uh, or it can be a team that goes on the road to Georgia and gets run out of the building from you know for the final 30 minutes. It's it's you know it's a game you don't even have to pay attention to because they're down 22 the whole time and and it's a disaster. Is it going to be a double double kind of night from John Fulkerson or a night where he gets off two shots? Which I didn't realize he only got off two shots until you said that. That's I, I can understand why Rick Barnes is saying what he's saying a lot more uh, after that kind of night. But I mean that's what that's all you know about this team right now is you don't know what you're going to get and and until they if they can settle in with this personnel they got and find some consistency then yeah they can be a bubble team 
uh, and they can they can play it out to selection Sunday and hope you make enough hay against uh, kind of the middling SEC teams and the in the bottom half of the standing teams and and upset some of the uh, top of the standing teams along the way and and do whatever you need to do for your resume or they can just kind of keep spinning their wheels and be one team one night and the next team the next night and another team the third night and not know what you're going to get. Uh, it's it's a matter of how quickly it comes together. They got to find somebody they can rely on. They got to find somebody to lead this group on the floor because clearly they haven't had that since Lamonte left. Uh, and they got to do it quickly because you got some important games coming up at Vanderbilt, a tough place to win, uh, even though Vandy's not where it wants to be right now. Ole Miss is a tough team, even though they're coming to Knoxville. Obviously, going to Kansas is what it is. But the Alabamas, the Ole Misses, the Vanderbilts, these are the the games that you've got to find a way to get something from those to start putting your resume together if you want to stay kind of in that bubble conversation. I think they're the next four out, according to Lenardi, to start the week. So that's kind of where they are. And they can stay there if they figure it out. It's just a matter of if they do it and when they do it. And I'll tell you, I don't know what the what the committee's official stance on this is. It, it fluctuates. But if Tennessee looks a lot better with Plavsic uh, than, than without him, uh, I think the committee does take things like that into account. So uh, we shall see. But I'll tell you, Grant, the not knowing what you're going to get is a bad thing. But you know what's way worse than that? Knowing what you're going to get and that it's going to suck. That's way, way, way worse. Because I've seen teams where you go, I know what I'm going to get, and it's not going to be good. We've seen that with Tennessee football uh, a little more often than we care to admit in the past decade. So uh, that does happen. This right now, uh, this is just, you don't know. Uh, so it, it's kind of interesting, right? It's a little little schizo. You never really know. But, hey, that means any day could be a good day, right? You never really know. That's a pretty good place to leave it. Guys, thanks for tuning in. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. You can find Patrick Brown on Twitter at pbrown247. And you can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter, if you dare, at Ryan Callahan 24-7. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, uh, you don't want any of my corgi pictures every day or uh, Grant doing some of the uh, all lower caps, snippy, snide remarks that he makes, uh, you can get those at twitter.com slash govals247 and facebook.com slash govals247. Or you can go get your water directly from the source, that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water uh, right from the source. You can get that at govals247.com where we have a bunch of good deals. We've had a couple of good specials this month, uh, and we're going to have a couple more uh, before it's all said and done. Uh, this is a good time to do that. And, and if you sign up and if you pay the full price, uh, which is still a really good deal, uh, you get free access uh, in perpetuity to CBS All Access. You get the Rolls-Royce package with no commercials. And hey, if you're a sci-fi fan, that new Star Trek show is coming out, CBS All Access, guess what? You get that for free by being a full member of VIP Access at GoBoss 24-7. So go do that. We've given you so many reasons to go do that. To be honest, I feel like a little bit ashamed to have to keep telling you this, but come on, do it. Do it. Come on. Where else are you going to get your balls news? You want to come to GoBoss 24-7 for that. Come be a part of the family. We'd love to have you. Uh, if nothing else, guys, uh, barring something crazy, we will hear, or you will hear from us again, I suppose, on Monday morning. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. 
I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 